seated. Go ahead and uh, grab your Bible. We are going to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. And before I get started, there was something else I was going to say before a prayer request. Um, So we've been doing this, this series on prayer. And... One of the things, one of the reasons that um, that that we've been doing that is because I, I really want to stress the importance of prayer in the life of the church. Like as as a church, we really have no power, we have no ability, we have nothing if we're not connected to the Father. And the way that we're connected to the Father is through prayer. Like you can read your Bible. There are people that read the Bible all the time. They're not connected to God, right? Prayer is what leads us into the presence of God. I think I shared, um, I shared a quote one time that, that prayer should be to the Christian just like breathing is to everybody else. I, I butchered that quote to, to all pieces, but um, the essence is the same. You can't be a Christian without praying, just like you can't be alive without breathing. Um, and so uh, September 1st is a Saturday. Um, I, I, tried to, I, I was hoping it could be a Sunday, and we, we may actually start it on September 2nd. Um, but what, I, what I'm going to ask us to do is starting, well, actually, let's do it September 2nd because we'll be here. September 2nd, what I'd like us to do is I would like us as a church to spend the next 40 days, so September 2nd to whatever 40 days is after that, it's sometime in October. You have to forgive me, I didn't do the math. Um, we're going to spend 40 days as a church praying. Every morning we're going to wake up, and, and clearly we can't all come together and do that, but we're going to spend 40 days as a church praying. Now, I'm going to ask you to pray for something specific to you, and then I'm going to ask you to pray for something specific to the church. And I think that, um, and honestly, I don't want to even say I think, I believe that if we spend these 40 days and we're, we're consistent and we're persistent in doing so, we're going to see God do some amazing things over the course of that 40 days, right? And that's, that's actually what we're, we're going to be we're talking about here today. Now, over the past two weeks, what we've been doing, if you haven't been here with us or if you have been and just need a refresher, um, we've been talking about becoming a circle maker. And a circle maker is someone who grabs a hold of the promises of God that are found in Scripture and draws circles around them, prays them over and over until God answers that prayer. A circle maker can also be someone who has a dream, one that's given to him by God, who who prays for that dream over and over until he sees that dream fulfilled. More often than not, this dream is something that you and I, we look at it and we go, that's impossible. That, that can't happen, right? And, and, and you know, I've, I've talked about the block party and how the block party was impossible, but God did it. Having 150 people here on on the property was impossible, but God did it. Providing all of the money for the school supplies and everything else was impossible, but you know what I'm about to say. God did it, right? And I think that if we spend those 40 days, and and as we continue here, we're going to see God do the impossible over and over and over again. We're just going to have to keep up in the ante because the impossible is just going to be commonplace for us. How great would that be? If the impossible was commonplace for us. But God wants to do the impossible because that's what he's most glorified in. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at what it means to pray hard. And and as I was sitting down and preparing for this, um, I realized that today's message is kind of the reality check. 
Because the past two weeks, when I talked about becoming a circle maker and dreaming big, I was telling you God's going to do all of these big things. And everybody left out of here all excited. God's going to do all of these big things. And then we come to Luke chapter 18, and there's kind of a reality check uh, that goes along with that. And the reason for that is too often we hear these exciting things that God can do, and we think that he should do them immediately. Like, we, we say... Um, I, I need this. Like last week I told you I'm praying for $60,000. And, and there's times where we bow our head, we pray for $60,000, and when we open our eyes, we're expecting Scrooge McDuck to be standing there with two bags of money. Right? And sometimes it doesn't happen that way. Sometimes it does. Sometimes we get an immediate answer, but sometimes it, it, it's not, it, it doesn't happen that way. It, doesn't, it isn't answered in our time frame. It isn't answered... Um, the way, the time that we expect it to. And what happens is we become jaded. We get upset because we said, God, I prayed for this. I asked you to do this and you didn't do it. And we get jaded and we stop believing that God can answer our prayers. Our view of God becomes smaller than our problems. When God doesn't answer in our time frame, our view of God becomes smaller than our problems. So it was for this reason, as we're going to look here in Luke 18 after I pray, it's for this reason that Jesus told this parable that we're going to look at. So let's pray, and then we're going to dive into Luke 18 uh, and, and see what's going on. Father God, I ask that you would uh, be with us now as we uh, take a look at this passage of Scripture, Lord. I pray that um, even though today is a bit of a reality check, it will, it will ground, ground us in our faith, Lord. It will, it will keep us grounded in you so that even when things aren't necessarily answered in the time we want them to or the way that we want them to, that we still have faith that you will do them. And that by, by having that faith and continuing to pray and being persistent, that you, you will come through for us. Lord, I, I pray that we'd be more like your son as a result. We ask this in your beautiful name. Amen. So Luke chapter 18, uh, we're going to read verses 1 through 8. Uh, let me go ahead and read those for you, and then we're going to uh, kind of take this passage apart. So it says this, now he told them a parable on the need for them to pray always and not give up. There was a judge in a certain town who did not fear God or respect people. And a widow in that town kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he was unwilling, but later he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God and respect people, yet because this widow keeps pestering me, I will give her justice so that she doesn't wear me out by her persistent coming. Then the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay helping them? I tell you that he will swiftly grant them justice. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? So we're going to break this into, uh, into three parts. The first part that I want us to see is the duty of praying hard. And I'm smirking to myself because I just said the word duty. Okay. So somebody, or anyway, Tina's not down here today. So, um, but in Luke chapter 18, what Jesus is doing is he's giving his disciples some instructions. He had just finished talking to them in, in Luke 17. He's talking to them about the coming of the kingdom. And at this point, uh, they want to know more. So at this point, Jesus tells the disciples a parable. Now, a parable, that, that's usually the way that Jesus would communicate. Um, it, it, the definition I grew up learning was it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. In essence, it's, it's a short story that's packed full of all kinds of spiritual goodies um, that, that the ones that Jesus intended to understand 
would understand. So he would go and these crowds would gather around him and Jesus would tell these parables and, and the majority of the crowd would sit there and go, that's a good story. I don't understand a word of what he's talking about, but that's a good story. For the ones that Jesus wanted to know the meaning, the Holy Spirit, would, well, I guess he hadn't shown up yet, but they, their, their brains, their, their minds would click and they would go, oh, I get what Jesus is saying here. I understand what he's doing. Um, this, of course, was intentional. In Matthew chapter 13, uh, Jesus is telling this, uh, a, a parable of the sower and the ones who he throw the seeds around. Uh, and after he's done, the, the disciples come to him and they say, Jesus, why are you always talking in parables, man? Why can't you just come right out and say it? And so Jesus says this. He says, beginning in verse 10, Then the disciples came up and asked him, Why are you speaking to them in parables? He answered, because the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given for you to, uh, to know, but it has not been given to them. For whoever has, more will be given to him, and he will have more than enough. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. That is why I speak to them in parables, because looking they do not see, and hearing they do not listen or understand. Isaiah's prophecy is fulfilled in them, which says, you will listen and listen, but never understand. You will look and look, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown callous, their ears are hard of hearing, and they have shut their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn back, and I would heal them. Blessed are your eyes because they do see, and your ears because they do hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see the things you see, but didn't see them, to hear the things you hear, but didn't hear them. Jesus was telling his disciples, the reason you understand is because I want you to understand. You've been given the gift to understand. For these other folks, that's coming later. But right now, I'm trying to get you ready. Jesus was giving his followers a parable about the need to pray with persistence. They were to pray hard. Now, what does that mean? It means that we keep on praying even when God doesn't answer our prayers on our timeline. We keep praying. We keep asking God to fulfill what we're asking for even when it doesn't happen in the time that we wanted to. To pray hard means we keep praying even when we are exhausted from praying and it feels like there's no resolution in sight. You ever felt that way? Where you're praying and you're asking God for something and it looks like all you see is darkness. And to pray hard, to be persistent, is you keep praying, you keep pushing through that darkness until Jesus is there. There is a lot of meaning packed into just this one verse, uh, Luke 18, verse 1, where the verse says, pray always, what he means is we, need to, we are always to be in the presence of God. There's a verse in the, in the Bible that says, pray without ceasing. And what that means is that doesn't mean that you're always on your hands and knees before God. And somebody comes up to you, you know, one of your kids comes up like, hey, can I get some Cheerios? And you're like, get out of here, I'm talking to God. Right? That's not what it means. Like, oh no, you can't have orange juice, God's more important. Um, but what it means is that we develop a sense of being prayerful at all times. This doesn't, like I said, this doesn't mean that we never talk to anybody because we're talking to God, but it means that we can go into the presence of God at a moment's notice. It doesn't require any special thing on our part. Our prayers become as natural to us as our breathing. In, the same, in some translations, Luke chapter 18, verse 1, says that we are not to faint. We're not to grow weak. We're not to fall down. Uh, the translation I'm using says, um, pray always and not give up. Sometimes when I'm out running, I, I make this mistake. I'll set my watch for how long I want to run. And I can keep running as long as I don't look at my watch. 
If I look at my watch and I, you know, I think I've been running for 20 minutes and I look at my watch and it's been about three, I'm done, right? I'm, not, I'm, I'm going to faint. I'm going to give up. But if I don't look at my watch, I can keep going. Yeah, I mean, I might go slow and turtles are passing me and, you know, that kind of thing. But if I don't look at my watch, I can keep going because I know that there's an end in sight. That's kind of the idea of what Jesus was getting at here. The reason he was telling them this parable, he wanted to encourage them not just to pray for something, but to pray through something. Sometimes um, when we pray for something, we might ask for it for a few times. We might say, oh, Lord, you know, I'd, I'd really like this to happen. Lord, and then the next day, Lord, I'd like this to happen. And then, Lord, I'd like this to happen. After a couple times, we don't see an answer. What do we do? We quit praying for it. We just automatically assume, oh, God said no. All right. When we pray through something, though, we are constantly on our faces before God, circling the promise until God answers our prayer. And this was the purpose of Jesus's parable. This is what Jesus was trying to convey to his disciples. And it is our duty to keep praying persistently, to keep praying hard. In First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 11, it says, Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Ephesians 6, 18 uh, Joey read that at the beginning of the service. It says, pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Our duty as believers is to constantly be praying for the things that Jesus has for us. The second thing I want us to see is we're going to take a look at the parable. It's the parable of praying hard. Now, the parable that Jesus told had two characters. Uh, there were two main actors. The first one was the judge. Okay, he's, he's kind of the, the, uh, the antagonist in this story. Um, he was not a nice person. There was nothing nice about this guy at all. The Bible tells us that he didn't fear God or he didn't respect people. In essence, he had no moral code. Basically, he was kind of a guy that whatever was going to benefit him was what he did. There, there's some indication, um, there, there was some indication that, that he was a judge in order to uh, promote himself and to get rich. Like, if somebody came before him and they were able to slip him a few dollars, he was going to go in favor of them. But if they weren't able to, then he wasn't going to give them the justice that they needed. Um, all, all he was a judge in this to look out for himself. The other character was a widow. All right, a widow, we all know, is someone who's, whose husband has died. And, and the, the Bible tells us that a grave injustice had been committed against her and she was going to the judge trying to get justice for what had taken place. And while the scripture doesn't indicate what this injustice was, this poor widow was fighting an uphill battle. Right? She, was in, she was in a legal system. Um, uh, first off, she, did, she was poor and she didn't have the money with which to bribe the judge. So there was no way she could, give, she could slip money to the judge in order to get him to, to go in her favor. Second... Because she was a widow and she was seeking justice in this legal system, the, the, the society didn't think highly of women. Right? Women, women were, were not treated the way that, that oftentimes they're treated today. Um, and so as she would go before the judge, she automatically had a strike against her due to the fact that, that she was female. Um, and third, whatever the injustice was, it was still being perpetrated against her. Whatever, whatever had happened to her, it was still going on. That's why she was going to the judge trying to get uh, relief from her adversary. 
her adversary was still taunting her. He was still doing whatever it was. Now, the, the widow was constantly begging the judge for justice, right? This, this was out of the ordinary, and actually, it was a, a bit desperate. And, and some of the stuff that I read on it said that, uh, that anywhere the judge would go, the widow was there begging for him. So it, my, my imagination started running, and... Uh, um, I started thinking, like, you know, in the morning when, when, when he woke up in the morning, when he got out of bed, the first thing he heard was her outside of his house crying out for justice, right? Which is completely out of the ordinary. People are not supposed to go to the judge's house. When he, sits, when he gets to the office and he pours his first cup of coffee, gets, you know, goes to sit down, what does he hear? He hears this woman crying out for justice. The last thing he hears before he went to bed at night was her crying out for justice. Everywhere he went, was this widow trying to get relief from whatever, whatever the injustice was. And this went on for some time. The Bible tells us that for a while he was unwilling. All right. She kept doing this over and over again, and he was able to ignore her for some time. But eventually, it got to be too much for him. All right. he even, the judge even says, look, I don't, I don't fear God. I don't respect people. But because this widow keeps showing up, Right? I, I, I go to the frozen food section and I open the door and there between the frozen pizzas is this widow trying to get me to do justice to her. Right? Everywhere I go, this, this lady is here. Because she's doing this, I'm going to see that she gets justice. Right? It, it, the phrase that he uses is wear me out, which has the idea of being beaten into submission. Now, I, I don't watch him as often as I, as I used to, but I used to watch a lot of UFC fights. And one of the things that, that I never really understood was sometimes the guys, they'll, they'll, they'll lock up and they'll, they'll get into a, and they'll wrap their arms around the other guy's head and they'll just kind of stand there. And, and it, it finally dawned on me, oh, you know what they're doing? They're trying to sap the energy out of their opponent. Because basically they would just stand in the middle of the ring or over by the side and it looked like they were hugging each other. But the reality is they were squeezing each other. And every once in a while, a guy would throw a knee or a kick or something into the guy's stomach. And you see it in boxing from time to time, too. And in essence, what they're doing is they're trying to wear their opponent down so that they, they're unable to continue. And that's what the widow was doing here was um, she was wearing the judge down till he had no more fight in him. The widow knew what it was to pray hard. She was unwilling to give up on getting an answer no matter how long it was going to take to see that answer. Can the same be said of us? Right? If we're praying for something, are we willing to put in the time and the energy knowing that it could be for the long haul? Are we willing to pray for those things? Does God know, about, know that of us? Are we willing to keep circling a prayer or a promise no matter how long it takes to get the answer. Uh, in 1 Kings chapter 18, uh, Elijah, th there's been a drought for a significant period of time, and Elijah is praying for rain. And he's so confident that there's going to be rain that he sends his servant to the king Ahab, and he says, Ahab, best get ready, rain's coming. And Ahab's like, Psh, it rained in three years, what are you talking about? But Elijah kept praying. And after he would pray, he would tell his servant, dude, I need you to go. I need you to go look down by the ocean. And the servant went down to the ocean and he looked and he came back and he said, man, I don't know what you sent me to look for. There's nothing there. So Elijah prayed again. 
And he sent his servant back to the ocean. And the, 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 the servant came back. And guess what his answer was? There's nothing there. What are we doing? And Elijah sent his servant six times. After praying each time, sent his servant six times. And each time the answer was the same. There's nothing there. And Elijah said, okay, let's go one more time. And he sent the servant one more time. And he came back and he said, uh, Elijah, there's a cloud. And Elijah said, yeah, there's a cloud about the size of my hand. And Elijah said, pack it up. We got to get out of here. Tell the king, you best get rolling because it's about to downpour. And within minutes, a torrential downpour came. Now, let me ask you, what do you think would have happened if Elijah had quit sending his servant and quit praying before the seventh time? I would hazard to say that he would have lost out on the blessing that God had of sending rain. Right? There's another story in the Bible. I didn't put this in my notes, and so forgive me. I don't um, remember the passage off the top of my head. There's a man named Naaman, and Naaman's got leprosy. And he wants to be healed of leprosy. And so he sends, um, he sends somebody to the prophet. And the prophet says, look, you got to go get in this river. And you got to dunk yourself seven times. And what was Naaman's response? Naaman was, uh, I ain't doing that. That water's gross. I'll probably come out even grosser than I am now. I got leprosy. Fingers are falling off. And the servant said, well, the servant, or I guess it was the servant girl who told him to go to the prophet. Um, and the servant said, yeah, even though you can go do it in a nicer river back home, why don't you just go find out what happens? And so Naaman went and he dunked himself in the water. It came up. He still had leprosy. Dunked himself under the water again, came up, still had leprosy. You got to imagine by about the third time he's getting frustrated. Like, I'm doing what he told me to do. Where is my clean skin? He finally, he did it the seventh time. He came up out of the water. The Bible tells us his skin was just like a newborn baby's, as soft and as perfect as a newborn baby's skin. Had he not done what he was, had he not persevered and continued to push through, I hazard to say he would have lost the blessing that God had for him. Um, what I want to do now is, uh, before, before I go on to, to my final point, I have a, a, a video that, that illustrates this. So, Joey, if you'll uh, pop that up there. When I did my 4.7 mile prayer walk around Capitol Hill 15 years ago, one of the properties I walked by was an old abandoned crack house at the corner of 2nd and S Street. There were cinder blocks where the doors and windows once were. The brick walls were painted a hideous green color and covered with graffiti. That crack house is now Ebenezer's Coffee House, one of the most popular coffee houses in Washington, D.C. Well, welcome to Ebenezer's Coffee House. You know, I'd walked by this building hundreds of times, but one day in 1997, I was walking by and I had a thought. This crack house would make a great coffee house. I mean, after all, it's a block from Union Station and just five blocks from the Capitol. Well, it seemed like a crazy idea on one level. You know, first of all, no one on our staff had ever worked at a coffee house, and churches build church buildings, not coffee houses. You know, we had no business going into the coffee house business, but I felt like it was a God idea. Well, I honestly believe it was the still small voice of the Holy Spirit who dropped that thought into my mind. And the more I thought about it, the more it made sense. You know, Jesus didn't just hang out at synagogues. He hung out at wells. Wells were natural gathering places in ancient culture. In a sense, coffee houses are postmodern wells. 
The only difference is that we draw shots of espresso instead of drawing water out of a well. Well, a year after it opened, Ebenezer's Coffee House was voted the number one coffee house in the metro DC area. The performance space doubles as one of our seven church campuses. And to top it off, every penny of our six digit net profit goes to missions. It's coffee with a cause. Well, God has blessed Ebenezer's and it's an amazing story. But here's the backstory. We had to circle this property in prayer for five years before we finally purchased it. And it took another three years of praying through to rezone it and build it. But God answered those prayers on March 15, 2006 when we opened our doors on National Coffee Day. It took them eight years of praying in order to get to where they are. That is, my friends, that is praying hard. Because I, I would hazard to say there's not a one of us in this building that would be willing to pray eight years for something like that. I'm hoping that that's true. And it's an amazing. Awesome. We're going to hear him again. All right. The third thing, <laughs> the third thing is the lesson of praying hard. What Jesus was trying to teach uh, his disciples here. Uh, there is an important lesson for us to learn from this story. Jesus says that, the, that if the unjust judge was willing to help the widow, how much more willing is God to hear and answer the prayers of his children? So we have this story of this horrible human being. All right? and, and, and he's not a real person, so I have no problem saying that. Right? The judge was a horrible human being. He was only in it for the money. He was trying to make himself rich. But this widow came to him and kept praying and crying out to him to try to get justice. And she eventually wore him down. Now, we're going to contrast that. We're, we're going to contra contrast the, the, the unjust judge with God Almighty. Right? If the unjust judge was willing to hear the, the widow, yes, it took some time. But if he was willing to do what she was asking, how much more willing is God to answer our prayers? That, that, that's the, the question that he had to. One of the keys to seeing our prayers answered is to persist in praying for the things that we are circling. Luke 18.7 tells us that God will give justice to those who cry out to him day and night. Let me read that verse for you. It says, Will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay helping them? One of the things that God wants us to do is he wants us to be persistent in our prayers. He doesn't want us to go about it half-heartedly. He wants to know that the things that we're praying for truly mean something to us. He wants us to be praying for them day and night. God answers the prayers of those who realize that they cannot do those things on their own. When we come to the understanding that it's only through God that God will answer certain prayers, then we will start to see those prayers fulfilled. When we are pleading our case before, before God day and night, that is when we will begin to see breakthroughs. If we really want to see God move, we have to be asking God to move. And it's not just a one-time one type thing, Lord, move in this church. We have to be consistently asking God for those things. Psalm 91 verse 15 says, when he, calls, when he calls out to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and give him honor. Jesus also states that God will help his children without delay and that he will grant them justice swiftly. Now, when I hear the word delay, without delay, when I hear those words without delay, 
I think that means he's going to do it tomorrow or he's going to do it in a day or so, that it's going to happen quick. When I hear the word swiftly, I think that it's going to happen very, very soon. And it's going to happen, I was going to say it's going to happen swiftly, but I'm describing the word swiftly, so that doesn't, you can't use a word to define a word, right? That's why I tell my third graders all the time, right? And, and third graders don't understand the word swiftly. I'll say, guys, I need you to come up here quickly. I need you to get in line swiftly. And they're all moving like this, right? Like, okay, keep going at the same pace you're going. We'll get there by Tuesday, right? And, and then they start to understand. If it takes, we want everything to be instantaneous. If popcorn takes longer than three minutes to make it in the microwave, guess what? I don't want it. I'm almost 40 years old. I still eat ramen noodles, not because they're good, not because they're healthy. I eat them because I can, get, I can make them quick. Right? That, I, I want things to happen right away. I'm the guy who, when I order something on Amazon, we have Amazon Prime, so you know they, they, they promise you two-day shipping. The moment I hit place order, I'm immediately going to the order section of the website to find out when my stuff is going to get here. Even though I placed the order five minutes ago, I'm looking going, where is my stuff, Amazon? You guys are a trillion dollar company. Why isn't it right here in my hand? All right, that, that's what I want. But here's the thing. God's timing is not our timing. And the way that God does things is not the way that we do things. There are times when God makes us wait for an answer because he wants to see if we will be faithful to wait for that answer. Some of us have been praying for things for a long time, and we are still not seeing an answer to that prayer. And the, the reality of it is, God may be having us continue to pray for those things because he wants to see if we are going to be faithful to continue to pray for those things. And God may use our time of waiting for an answer to refine us, to sanctify us, to make us more like his son. In 1 Peter 1, chapter 1, verse 7, it says, So that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which, though perishable, is refined by fire, may result in praise and glory, praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. There are times where God makes us wait for things, where we are, we are called upon to continue to pray through those things because God is using that experience to make us more like Jesus Christ. God sometimes does, does, does things in his own timing, and that timing, for the, actually, I, I got a joke. I'm going to tell a joke. There was a, guy who went to, uh, there was a guy who went to God, and he said, God, how long is, how long is a million years? And God said, well, to me, a million years is like a second. He said, okay, well, how much is a million dollars? And God said, to me, a million dollars is a penny. And the man got, got kind of a sly look on his face and he said, hey, God, can I borrow a penny? And the God looked down at him and said, yeah, give me a second. <laughs> okay, thank you. Thank you. All right, finally somebody laughs at my jokes. All right. Now, the reason I tell that joke is because we have a different timeline than God does. And just because we're expecting God to do something on our time, God is going, well, your time is not my time. And I'm using this experience. I'm taking you through this right now, even though you don't understand and you don't like it and it is painful and you, you want an answer, but it's not coming. I am taking you through this 
Because on the other side, I'm making you like my son. I'm making you to be more, excuse me, to make, making you to be more like Jesus Christ. And that is the reason that we go through these things. That's the reason God makes us wait, is because he's making us more like his son. Um, 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord does not delay his promise, as some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. God doesn't do things on our time because he's working things out according to his plan. The important part of all of this is that we learn to have faith in God even when our prayers are not answered in the way or the time that we believe they should be. That is what God is trying to get us to, that we continue to pray, we continue to circle, we are persistent because God is trying to do something with us. And finally, Jesus points out a sad reality. This is in Luke 18.8. He says, I tell you that he will swiftly grant them justice. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? And what he's saying is, for far too many, far too many people give up praying on their miracle, they give up praying for their miracle, they give up circling their promise because it's not answered when and how they think it should be. There have been times in my own life, and, I, and it's just full transparency, where God did not answer something in the way that I wanted him to, so I quit praying for it. And as I've been studying this, I'm thinking back on those things and I'm wondering how many promises, how many blessings, how many uh, miracles did I forfeit because I quit praying for them? That, that, that's a question I've had to struggle with. Um, I didn't tell them I was going to do this, but my, my parents are here today. They, they go to church with us. Um, for years, my parents struggled to have a baby. I hope it's a... Excuse me. You guys okay if I tell this? Because it's in my notes. I'm going to do it anyway. So, <laughs> I'm a grown man now. I don't have to. All right. But for years, my parents struggled to have a baby. I, I, I think it was what, 10 years? Is that? Seven. Seven. Okay, well, let's round up. 10 sounds better in the story. They, they, they struggled to have a baby. They struggled to have a child. But rather than give up on that dream because they, they truly believed that God was, was going to give them a child, they prayed for it. They prayed for it for seven years. They had people in the church praying for it. Everyone was circling this. And you know what the great news is? I'm here today. <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing about that. I don't, that, that, was not meant to be, that was not meant to be a joke. But I'm standing here before you today because my parents persisted in prayer. Right? And, and there are things that, that all of us are dealing with. That if we continue to persist in prayer, we're going to see God answer those prayer requests. Right? There are people in our church who are here because others have prayed for them. There are, no matter how long it takes, we have to keep persisting. We have to keep praying. Right? There, there are those of us in here who are struggling with things that we're about ready to give up. Let me encourage you, don't do that. Keep pushing through because you never know when you're pushing through is going to lead to a breakthrough. I should say that again because that was good. All right. Psalm 71 verse 1 says this, Lord, I seek refuge in you. Never, let me never be disgraced. Now, I said at the beginning that today's message was going to be kind of a reality check message. It is vital for us to remember that, that prayer is not how we get God to give us things. 
We, we don't go to God. God's not like Santa Claus in the mall where when we want Legos or Play-Doh or, or whatever it is we want for Christmas, that we go and we sit on his lap and he asks us, have you been good? And we say, well, of course we lie. And we say, yes, Santa, I've been good. And then it's Christmas morning, we wake up and there's Legos and Play-Doh. That's not how God is. God is not a genie and his wish is not our command. Or our wish is not his command. Sorry, I, y'all, y'all are throwing me off today, all right? But we also need to remember that prayer is how we align ourselves with God. Let me give you an illustration. Imagine that I'm in a boat. I'm on a boat. Oh, uh, never mind. Um, I'm in a boat, and the boat is just wandering aimlessly out, out on the water. When, when growing up, we had, these, uh, we had these rubber rafts that we'd blow up, and uh, we'd go out and we'd spend hours on the lake behind, behind the house I grew up in. Um, but let's imagine that I'm in one of those boats, and it's just drifting. And, and, and there's no direction, there's no course, there's nothing. It's just drifting. I'm in a, I'm in a bad spot because the, there's no way for me to get to the land. Now, in this illustration, I look down in the boat, and there's a rope with a hook. And so I take the hook, and, and using my uh, her, Herculean strength, I throw the rope, psh, nail it to a tree, and I start to pull the rope. What's happening? I now have a course of direction. And eventually, I make it back to the land. I'm pulling hand over hand. The boat makes it back to the land. I'm able to get out safely. Let me ask you this. When I was pulling, was I pulling the land closer to me? Or was I being pulled closer to the land? When I'm pulling on that rope in this imaginary illustration, because I don't even like boats, um, if I'm pulling on that rope, am I pulling that tree and that land closer to me? You know, I am, I am massively strong. I can move the earth. Or is, is, is the boat being pulled closer to the land? When we pray, when we pray, what's happening is we're not pulling God closer to us. We're, come, we're falling more in line with the direction that God has for us. We're pulling ourselves closer to God. No matter how long it takes to see an answer to your prayer, we must be faithful to pray through. We must be willing to stay on our knees and on our faces before God, crying out for an answer. Sometimes it is the persistence of our prayer that leads to our breakthrough. Let's pray. Father God, I, uh, I, I thank you for the opportunity to, uh, to, to open your word this morning, Lord. And I pray that uh, as a result of taking a look at this, uh, this parable that Jesus told in Luke 18, that, that it would encourage us, Lord. I know I said it was a bit of a reality check, but Lord, I pray that this would be um, an encouragement to us as well to, to keep praying through for the things that we're, that we're, we're asking for. And Lord, I, I know in a group uh, like this and, and even with the folks that are not here, there are people who are dealing with a number of different things, whether it is an illness, uh, whether it is uh, problems in our family, uh, whether it is a, a job situation, whatever it may be, it is something that we need to bring before you in prayer because it is something that we cannot do on our own. And Lord, we know that the, you delight in doing the impossible. The Bible tells us nothing is impossible for you. You delight in doing the impossible in man's eyes because it is what brings the most glory to you. And so, Father, I, I'm asking that you would, you would impress on each one of our hearts today that to, to continue to pray persistently, to be like this widow and consistently cry out, knowing that you are a good God who delights in answering our prayers.
And Father, in the time where it seems like you're not hearing our prayers and it's just darkness around us, Lord, give us the, give us the, the persistence to continue to push through, to continue to circle and to continue to, to pray through because we know that on the other side, we're gonna see a breakthrough. And, and far too many of us give up before that breakthrough comes. Lord, I pray that, that we would all be different people as a result of being here today. Lord, if there are, is anyone who needs to confess sin or lay a burden down, or, or if there's someone in here who needs to accept Christ as their Savior, Lord, I pray that today would be the day that you would do that. Lord, we thank you for sending your Son to die on the cross for us. Uh, I pray that um, we, would, we would live in light of that fact, that we would uh, always live in, in light of you and, and the hope that we have in the resurrection. Lord, I ask all of this in your beautiful name.